people there in front of you. I would at this point invite you to turn with me to those verses we read earlier on. Ezra chapter 8 and from verse 15 uh, through to the end of verse 20. So many, uh, what seems like many, many years ago, prior to going to uh, university in Edinburgh, I had a whole host of jobs, you know, a wide, wide variety of jobs. And one of these jobs was working in Edinburgh in a small supermarket, a deli type thing. It's probably no more than a, a, a glorified newsagent, really. And believe it or not, I loved that job. I absolutely uh, loved it. But there was one day every year that I used to loathe, a day that I hated more than any other. And that was the, the annual shop stock take. This was misery. This was the day where all the staff, after you're tired and you've done your full day's work, you had to stay late and you had to go down to the warehouse and count every item of stock. And then once you've done that, you had to go back up on the, sh- the, the shop floor and do the same thing. And it was painful, I tell you. But... It was absolutely necessary because the, the owners of the shop, the management, I could see it. They had to know the situation that they were in, didn't they? They had to have a handle on what they had. They had to literally, I suppose, take stock, find out what they had in order that they could maybe plan for the future. So that was the, the, the annual shop stock take and really that's what we've got in Ezra chapter 8 and the section that we've looked at what we've got here is a kind of a religious or a spiritual stock take you see last week if you were here last week You will remember, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure Paul will remember vividly what we looked at last week. We uh, looked at that list of names at the beginning of uh, Ezra chapter 8. And that was the list of the people returning to Jerusalem. But now we're kind of moving on a wee bit. And now we're getting to the nitty gritty, the real bones of chapter 8. And here... We see the people of God, this group, just about to head off on this uh, remarkable journey from Babylon to Jerusalem. But before they do that, before they move, they've got a few things to sort out. So, you ready? Let's look at this portion of scripture and let's think about our first point this evening and that is point one a pause for preparation a pause 
for preparation. Now, please, folks, if you will, try and imagine the scene that we've just read. Try and imagine what that scene in Ezra 8 would have looked like. Second, that would be quite an incredible scene, wouldn't it? Because you've got, remember the numbers we were talking about last, last week? It was, what, 1,500 men? And about, what was it, about 5,000 people all told. And these 5,000 people, they've all kind of walked up, and now they've met together beside this canal. What's the canal called? A Hava Canal. And they've all arrived there, and there's going to be lots and lots of things going on, wouldn't there? Because they've, these people have left Babylon behind, but they'll have taken a lot of their possessions with them. So this is a scene, huge amount of people, all their possessions, loads and loads of animals kicking about too. And there would be kids running around everywhere. Perhaps not if there was tea and coffee kicking about. And perhaps not up the stairs or in the pulpit. But it would be running about nevertheless. And as they kind of meet together, all these people, there would be a kind of tension in the air, wouldn't there? There definitely would be a sort of tension because here is a group that is just about to travel miles and miles and miles. A dangerous journey, a difficult journey, a journey that could lead to injury and could very well lead to death. So you see the picture, don't you? This huge, huge crowd and a sense of tension and trepidation in the air. But then what happens, okay? What happens before they set off on this journey? What do the people do? Well, we're told, and we see that, they just stop, don't they? They just, before they set off to Jerusalem, they breathe. They pause. They put down everything. They put down all their possessions and they unpack their tents, don't they? And they camp beside this canal for three full days. So, why do they do that? Why do they not? They've met together, they've congregated. Why do they not just set off to Jerusalem? Why do they pause? Well, we're back to this idea of taking stock again. And I'm sure if, uh, if you've gone, if you've ever gone off in a family holiday in the car, then I reckon you can relate to what's going on here. Cause, uh, you know that kind of situation, don't you? You know, you've packed the car and you've locked the house and you're just about to start the engine and head off. But before you do that, what do you do? You always just sit there, don't you? You pause for a moment. You stop. And you think to yourself, have we got everything that we need? Have we packed all the bags? Have we packed the correct amount of children? Have we got the dog? Have we got our phones? Have we got our wallets? 
and so on. And in some ways, that's what's happening in Ezra 8. Because the people have just paused to check to see that they have everything they need. But it's more than that. Because it's not just about taking stock. Because it is, in chapter 8, a spiritual evaluation, isn't it? It's a spiritual evaluation. Because just check out Ezra here. Just have a look at Ezra. Look what he's doing. Ezra is going through this camp. He's checking amongst the people. And what is he checking for? He's checking to see that the community have everything that they need so that they can worship God appropriately. He's going around to people in this camp and he's thinking, right, do we have priests? Do we have temple singers? Do we have these temple servants? Do we have Levites? He's concerned about the worship of God. He's concerned about when they get to Jerusalem, are they going to have everyone that they need? He's not worried about material things. He's worried about spiritual things. It's a spiritual stock take. Okay. So how do we take that, that situation, and how do we transpose it or kind of transplant it into the situation of our community in this church today. Well, in some ways, the application is kind of straightforward and it's obvious. And it's that we, the people of God, should be pausing often for spiritual evaluation. You know, as a congregation, and in our own spiritual lives, we should be stopping, and we should be reflecting, making time to evaluate where we are spiritually. Now, what do you think? Do we do that? Do we do it often enough? Do you do that? Is there, is there evaluation, spiritual evaluation in your lives? Do you regularly kind of stop and search your soul? You know, do you often sit and ask yourself really fundamental and important spiritual questions? Questions like, Am I serving God as I should? Am I setting the spiritual goals in my life that I should? Am I prompting others to obedience? Am I prompting others to spiritual service? And then the key one. This is the key one. Am I fully and wholeheartedly committed to God's work. What do you think, friends? Do we ask ourselves those questions and do we do it often enough? Well, let's do it. You know, over the next few weeks, over the next few months at LCPC, 
Let's ask ourselves these questions. Let's pause and reflect. At home, let's do that. But at church, let's do it too. Let's ask ourselves these important questions. Now, the Apostle Paul, he stressed the importance of doing this. He said in 2 Corinthians 13, he said to believers, folks, examine yourselves. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Examine yourselves. Test yourselves. So, let's do that. Let's make time for a spiritual, a spiritual evaluation. Okay. Now, folks, what did you have for lunch today? What did you have? It's Sunday. Did, uh, did you have the full works? Did you have a, a Sunday roast? Well, whatever you had, I'm pretty sure that there is nobody in the room this evening that had a Findus beef lasagna. There is no danger. I'm sure that that is the case. And this week, when this news about the horse meat in these lasagnas, when it broke, I was stuck in traffic. It was quite late at night and I was stuck on the North Circular. And the news, uh, the, the news about the horse meat was all over the radio. And I was listening to a food hygiene expert. And she came on and she had her say about this. This woman was absolutely raging. She was livid about the situation. And she was complaining essentially um, that in her eyes, the government hadn't been swift enough to come out with a response. Because, as I've just said, the story broke quite late at night and a lot of the MPs had kind of gone home for the day. So in her eyes, there hadn't been a swift enough response. There wasn't the necessary guidance and leadership from Westminster, in her eyes. And we see a similar situation in Ezra chapter 8. In our second point this evening, we've seen a pause for preparation. Now let's consider a personnel problem. A personnel problem. Because what happens when Ezra takes stock? What happens? What does this taking stock reveal here? Well, I'm sure that poor Ezra could not believe it. He goes round all these people, he goes round these 1,500 men, and he finds that there are no Levites whatsoever. No Levites at all. Now, why is that a problem? Who were these guys? Who were the Levites? Well, these, these Levites, they, they, they functioned as essentially assistants to the priests in the temple worship, okay? They were, uh, they provided or performed vital functions in the temple. So they were 
gatekeepers and they were the people who would sing praise to God in the temple. And although some of the functions that these Levites performed, they were kind of viewed as lowly or menial tasks, the Levites were still part of the spiritual leadership of the people of God. And I'm going to read you a verse in Deuteronomy that shows that. I'm a part of the spiritual leadership. So I'll read it. Deuteronomy 10, 8. Here you go. This is what the Levites were. This is what the Levites did. The role of the Levite was to stand before the Lord to minister and to pronounce blessing in his name. Say that again. They were to stand before the Lord to minister and to pronounce blessing in his name. So you get it. The Levites, part of the spiritual leadership of the people of God. So, surely what we should be thinking is, where are these guys? Where have the Levites gone? How can it be that in 1,500 men there are no Levites? Where are they? Well, to be honest, I have to be honest here, we don't know. We can only surely speculate where they are. But surely it is most likely that these leaves are still in Babylon. They're still in exile. You see, things were pretty good, actually, in Babylon. So these Levites are there. They're probably concentrating on their work and their life in Babylon. They are in exile in Babylon, happily counting their cash. So tonight, as we think about that, surely it is kind of easy for us to apply this gap in leadership to our situation at LCPC, doesn't it? It is easy, isn't it? Ezra chapter 8, a community of faith lacking in spiritual leadership. A community of faith with a bit of a personnel problem. Now, that sounds familiar, does it not? So, Tonight, guys, men here, do you see that now is the time to step up to the plate from a spiritual point of view? Do you see that now is the time to start making time for God? That now is the time that we sort out our lives spiritually and that we make time to pray and study and lead the people of God. Because LCPC, our church here, our congregation, it needs leaders, you see? We need in this place, we need men. Yes, we need women. We need men. We need people with a vision for the work of the church. 
We need people in this place with a real passion for Jesus Christ. We need people who pray and who read and who are walking in step with the Spirit. So, guys, men, young men, is God calling you to that? Is God calling you to spend more time with the people of God, to spend more time reading and gathering for prayer with this congregation. Well, if he is, if he's calling you, then guys, leave your cash in Babylon. Leave it there. You know, make your lasting legacy not about how devoted you are to study or how devoted you are to to work. Make your lasting legacy about how much you love the people of God, how much you care for these people, and how much you are willing to serve them. Because there is a group here, there is a people who need led through a potentially difficult spiritual journey. Ezra, he looked around But there were no Levites to be seen. Okay. So, when my wife Catherine and I were planning our uh, move to London, we uh, got in contact with the wife of the interim moderator, John McPherson, and his wife Catherine McPherson. (coughs) Because... We wanted to ask about the house that we were staying in. We wanted to know what we were going to need to buy because the house that we were coming from in Scotland was a very small house and we realised that we were going to have to buy some furniture in order to be able to entertain people and have people stay. And to be honest, it was all a bit of a stress, not really my area of expertise at all. But we worked out that we had to get a few things. And we had a list. And this is the list. We had to get two sofas, one single bed, one dining room table, and some dining room chairs. And that sounds a lot, doesn't it? Well, it certainly sounded a lot to me, and there wasn't a lot of cash kicking about. So we prayed. And on arrival in London... Can you guess what furniture was given to us? We didn't ask for anything. Can you guess what it was? I'll list it. It was two sofas, one single bed, one dining room table complete with a set of dining room chairs. You see, God is good. Now that leads us into a second aspect, sorry, a third and final aspect tonight. Because we've seen, what was the first point? A pause for preparation. We've seen a personnel problem. And then the last point tonight, a perfect provision. A perfect provision. Because... How is this situation resolved here in Ezra 8? What do the people do? 
about this lack of Levites. Well, Ezra, he sends off to a man called Edo, not the relation of Isaiah, a different Edo in Cassaphia, and he asks that they provide Levites, doesn't he? And this is a successful request. Because what happens next is that they send to the people of God 38 Levites in the company of a guy called Sherebiah. And we need to know, friends, the source of this provision, okay? Where do they ultimately come from? Because who exactly uh, provides these Levites? Do you see that in verse 18? Who does Ezra acknowledge? He says that the Levites came because the gracious hand of our God was on us. So the people, right? The community of faith, they are in dire need. They are in desperate need. They are unable to move forward. They're unable to move in this journey. And God, God provided for them. He provided for his people. And tonight, you know, this evening, it might well be the case that you simply need to hear that. It might be the case that you just need this simple reminder that that situation that you are in, that predicament, that difficulty, that not only does God see it, but even better than you, he knows exactly what you need to get through it. He provides for his people. He perfectly provides for his people. Second Corinthians 9.8 And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work. There's something else. There's something bigger at play here. There's something more about this provision of Levites in Ezra chapter 8. You see, praise God that he did step in here and provide these Levites. Because, remember what we said, their job was to serve in the temple in Jerusalem. What did we say they were? They were gatekeepers in the temple. Their job was to guard the purity and the holiness of the dwelling place of God, right? In short, folks, get this. The Levites were a a living illustration of just how inadequate the people were 
before God. An illustration of just how inadequate the people were before God. So yes, praise God that he has provided these Levites. Praise God that he shows people their need. He shows people their need, but even more remarkably than that, praise God that he himself has met that need in his greatest provision, the giving of his own beloved son. Friends, what do you think? Is it time tonight for a spiritual stop take? Is it time that we went home tonight and really thought about where we are spiritually? How are we living? Are we living for God? Are you living for God? Because what a God he is, isn't he? What a God of love. A God who in sending his own son has made perfect provision for us. He has made perfect provision for his people. Let's pray.